Well, what a powerful song. I, I uh, was singing it in my office this week as I was putting it in the proclaim, trying to get it into the uh, computer correctly. And I was thinking about that last verse. The love of God, how we would, if we tried to write the love of God, we can't write the love of God. But we have it written for us. And in every page of this book. Now, it's not exhausted, the love of God. I'm not saying it does, but it is complete for us to know the love of God in his word. And I was just thankful as I was singing the song and thinking, he gave us his perfect word. It shows the love of God. What a, what a blessing to have the complete, perfect, written word of God and uh, to know his love because he gave us this. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's great to have Tom Sires with us this morning. I met him this morning. I've heard about Tom for as long as I've known Ralph. Uh, so seven or eight years, I guess, somewhere in that range. And, uh, and if I have the story right, because Tom got saved, Ralph got saved. Tom led Ralph to the Lord, and, uh, and he has fa- stayed faithful, serving the Lord for all these years, and uh, is going to come preach for us this morning. So look forward to the message. Come ahead, brother, and, uh, and give us what God has laid on your heart. Thank you. Well, it's good to be in Texas. Uh, it's real good to be in Texas because uh, my brother lives here. I can't think of anything else. But, <laughs> but anyway, it's a blessing. It's a real blessing. Uh, he said that he said that uh, he heard a lot about me. Well, I heard a lot about you. You know, Ralph tells me about this place all the time. He's in love with this place. And it's a wonderful thing. You know, you can go all over the country. You can have something in Christ, a bond in Christ everywhere you go because of salvation. Uh, Is there anybody back in the back that cannot hear me right now? You're having trouble hearing me? You can hear me good. Oh, that's what that means. Now, here, here's something pretty funny that happened to me one time. I went to this church in the UP, and I fill the pulpits in churches and stuff whenever I get a chance. And I was in this little church in the UP, and I asked that question. Then I said, but before the service, I told my buddy, who, that's who I stayed with when I go up there, and I told him, now, set kind of close, and, and uh, if... If if I feel like if you feel like my voice is fading and you have people have trouble hearing, give me a give me a sign, you know. And so I preached the whole time, got all done. I'm at his house eating lunch with him, and and he says, "Hey, how come you didn't raise it up?" He says, "I was giving you the sign the whole time. I didn't see him, you know. So I guess it's going to do no good, you know, at that. But but uh, what a blessing it is uh, to be able to preach here and. Uh, I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm getting old. Uh, things are fading. Uh, I went to a 7-Eleven store one morning, and uh, as I'm, I went in to buy a newspaper, and as I'm coming out, another guy's going in. And <clears throat> I buy a newspaper, and I go out, and I'm getting a car, and I'm reading the paper. 
this guy that was going in, he's up to the counter, and him and the guy behind the counter are looking out my direction, laughing about something. You can tell. You get that feeling. You can tell. And I get looking around. I was sitting in his car. It wasn't even the same kind color or anything. So, so uh, I don't, I don't, that kind of stuff, you know, as you start fading. Uh, another thing that happened, I went to the doctor, and as I'm at the doctor's office getting my physical, I get all done, and I say, Doc, can I talk to you about something? And he says, what's that? And I says, well, my wife, I think she's hard of hearing. And he goes, well, why do you say that? And he says, well, because she doesn't answer me. And, and lots of times she don't answer me. And uh, so he says, well, he says, she's not here for me to examine, so why don't you just try this? When you get home, be quite a ways away from maybe one room away and say something to her, and then keep getting closer and see how close you got to get before she hears you. So I went home, walked in the front door, and our living room was there, and then the kitchen is in the next room. And I say, Linda, what's for supper? By the way, my wife's name is Linda also. Well, actually, I lost her three and a half years ago to cancer. Uh, we found out, and 30 days later, she was gone. So 49 years of marriage, I was with Linda. But anyway, I says to... I, I says, Linda, what's for supper? And she don't answer me. So I walk into the doorway into the kitchen, and she's at the stove with her back to me. And I say, what's for supper? She don't answer me. So I get right up behind her. Honey, what's for supper? And she says, for the third time, spaghetti. <laughs> so that's what getting old is. You know, that, that's exactly how that works. Okay. Now it's time to be serious because it's a serious time. It's a real, real serious time when we're, when we're trying to represent a holy God in a place like this pulpit, you know. And uh, I want you to know that as I, as I come to this pulpit, I am very, very thankful for the pastor because it doesn't happen very often someone just gives his pulpit up. And I'm very, very thankful, and I don't take it lightly at all. And then the second thing is, I want to be talking to you about soul winning, and you're going to hear lots of illustrations of people that I personally led to Christ. But I don't want you, one person in there, to think in any way that I'm bragging, or that I'm lifting myself up, or that I'm, I'm some kind of special person or special Christian. I'm not at all. I've let God down many, many more times than I led someone to Christ. I have not witnessed to people many times when the Holy Spirit told me to witness to people. I lived by people that were my neighbors that I didn't witness to for three or four or five years. I'm not proud of those things. So I'm very, very humble when it comes to this thing of soul winning. It really, it really humbles me. And, and I just want you to know that before we get started, that it is um, a humbling thing to stand in a place in a pulpit like this. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we're thankful. And we're thankful for a holy God, a God that teaches us through his word, a God that wants us to honor him, a God that loved us enough 
to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the complete price for our sin, not only the sins of lying and cheating and stealing, but that deep sin that we're the most ashamed about, that sin. He paid it all. And it's him that we're glorifying here today. We ask that you would bless our time together. Lord, if there's one here this morning that never come to God on your terms, never ask Jesus Christ to be their Savior, Lord, I pray that that person would make that decision here today. And then, Lord, if there's some here, Lord, that, that haven't really been doing a whole lot in the soul-winning area, Lord, I pray that uh, somehow you would speak to them and that people would be a little more apt to win souls and try to win souls. We know that this is a soul-winning church. We know it's a wonderful church. And everything I say... Everyone here has heard before. But I just pray that you bless us, Lord, this morning in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Psalms 126, 5 and 6. I go slow when I'm looking for passages in the Bible and stuff. I could mark them ahead of time. But another thing, when you start getting old, it takes you a while to find stuff. So I like to go a little bit slower so everyone here can get a chance to get there. I know some people just go right here like this, you know, and get right on it right away, you know. But, but some of us old-timers, we don't do that. Same way with songs. You know, I love this because... By the time I find my glasses, they're on my head now, but I might lose them. By the time I find my glasses and get the songbook open, they're already through the first verse, you know. So, so I like stalling a little bit. But Psalms 126, verse 5, says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, when I look at that verse, I see some things. I see some things about it. It says, uh, they, that's you and me, talking to Christians. And by the way, this whole thing that I'm talking about is, is, a, is a, a soul winning from the pew. Everyone expects the pastor to go soul winning, right? And he probably wouldn't be much of a pastor if he didn't. Right? Most people would agree with that. But yet we as Christians sitting in the pew somehow get the idea that we don't really have to get to that standard, you know, being named or called a soul winner. We think that it's okay, you know. But here it says something here. It says they, that's, that's you and me. They that sow in tears. Sow. That's getting the word out there. I can't believe that he's got the whole town of Wichita Falls covered, you know, with door hangers and all that. That's an incredible thing. That's such a wonderful thing. But it says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. It says, shall reap. It doesn't say might reap. It doesn't say could reap. It says you shall reap. That's a promise. We're not responsible 
if someone gets saved at all. We're only responsible for sowing the seed. God gives the increase. So the promise here is that we shall reap in joy. Then it says, He that goeth, once again, He, that's me and you, He that goeth forth, that's going out, that's leaving. Saturdays, they got soul winning here. How many show up? How many people show up for soul winning? You know, I got a church in Saginaw that I went to for 50 years. I just left it a year ago when I got remarried. 50 years at a soul winning church. And the church runs about three to four hundred now. Fifty people are out on soul winning night. But you know what? There's some deacons that don't go sometimes. There's some Sunday school teachers that don't go. There's some choir members that don't go. And all those jobs that we have in the church, those are secondary. Those jobs are secondary. We're, we're to be soul winners. You know, that's why God put us here. But anyway, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Then it says, shall doubtless, once again, shall doubtless come again. Then it says, with rejoicing. The promise is that if we soul win, we're going to be rejoicing. It reminds me of when my brother Ray, my older brother Ray, led me to Christ. And that started the chain in our whole families and everything else. And I'll get to that later, um, that story. But rejoicing. My brother was so glad that I got saved. He was incredibly happy that I got saved. And I was like, you know, that mustard grain seed of faith when you get saved, you know? You, you got enough faith to believe, you know, the Bible says you're a sinner and that Jesus died for you and has to come to your heart. But you have no idea the magnitude of what happens on salvation. Not only does all of heaven rejoice, but there's a blessings down your lifetime that you never I could have never imagined the blessings of God, and I'll get to that a little bit later too. The blessings of God that have come in my life, the rejoicing, but the rejoicing of soul winning, uh, bring his sheaves with him. We're going to bring the people that we lead to Christ somehow, and I don't know how it works. I ain't got to figure it out yet. Maybe someone a lot more scholarly than I can figure it out. Can you still hear me if I'm over here? Okay. So uh, God is going to do some wonderful things. Somehow we get some kind of blessing of presenting the people that we win to Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know how it works exactly. But bringing our sheaves with us. The sheaves is, is the crop you know, that you put together after you sowed the seed. The sheaves are, are the result of all your labor. And the labors of us soul winning is going to bring us to the place where we get to bring those that we've won to Christ. Ask your question. Do you have people that you've won to Christ in your heart and life? Is there people that you've won to Christ and people that you're going to present to Christ on that day. And it can be a wonderful, wonderful thing, you know, and uh, I think a lot of Christians miss out on it. Proverbs 11.30 says, you don't need to turn there, uh, Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, 
and he that winneth souls is wise. Hmm. Every Christian, every Christian wants to be wise when it comes to God, don't we? We don't want to be foolish. We want to be wise when it comes to God and serving God. We want to do what God thinks is wise. And it says here that he that wins souls is wise. I don't want to be foolish. You know, the Bible says 344 times it uses the word wise. 367 times it uses the word wisdom. Here's the bad part. 360 times it uses the word foolish. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to look at me as if I'm foolish. The opposite of wise is foolish. So if I don't win, if I don't try to win souls, am I being foolish? You know, that's, that's a big question for, for all of us. You know, are we being wise? Are, are we doing what we can? Are we there on Saturday? You know, are we going to be with this man as he goes out? You know how many more houses you can hit if you got ten people instead of three? got 20 people instead of 10. Just think about it. Just one person extra gets saved because more people come. It'll be worth it all, won't it? It'll be worth it all. Okay. So, we know we're supposed to go soul winning. I want to tell you a little bit about some of my experiences in the hope that we can spark some life, more life than you have now. More life, more life that God wants in us, every one of us. Even more, spark me. You know, I've said before, I'm humble. I don't do enough. You know, on the plane ride here, I was sat by a young lady on the plane ride. And she was constantly busy with her phone. Constantly busy reading stuff. stuff. Looked pretty preoccupied. I'm sitting right beside her, and I'm saying, I made a promise to God 50 years ago when I was 22 years old, when I first got saved. I said, God, if I'm ever alone with somebody more than 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to talk to them about their soul. I made that promise. I've tried to keep that promise in the last 50 years. I failed many times, but I always got convicted, and I always asked God to forgive me, and I always tried. I always did my best. Tried my best. So I'm sitting beside this lady, and I'm thinking, I got to bust into her world here, but I don't know quite when and exactly how to do it. But I'm praying for it. And you know, God has a funny way of doing things. His ways are so much higher than our ways. I thought... I'll wait a few minutes. So I pick my phone up. And she goes, excuse me, where are you flying to? Isn't that amazing? God broke the ice. Had a wonderful chat with her. She was saved, which is wonderful. But I had a wonderful chat with her the rest of the way, and we rejoiced together. It was a wonderful thing. And then got laid over in Houston. 
Man, is that place huge, <laughs> that airport. But anyway, got laid over in Houston. Now I get on a plane flying to Dallas, and I'm with a guy, a younger man, about 25, and a happy guy. He's just one of those guys that's just happy, you know, one of those guys. By the way, I, I get a charge of my friend back here that has the cowboy hat. Hold your hat up. Got your hat? Yeah. I walked into the bathroom, and here this guy is with a hat on. And I walked in, and it kind of scared me, because I'm not used to that, you know, from Michigan, you know. So I see him as a cowboy hat. So what do I say to him? Howdy. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, brother. I, just, I, never, t I never greet anybody that way, howdy. But, but I did. I guess I'm in Texas, you know. I don't know. Where was I? I forgot. What's that? The young man on the flight. So the young man on the flight was a happy guy. And right away I started talking about Christ. And he, didn't, he never heard that quite like that before. And so I explained to him. And then I pulled my phone out and I pulled out Romans 3.23 and had him read it. Had him pull out Romans 6.23 and had him read it. Uh, Revelation 20.17 and went through the plan of salvation. <clears throat> and he read the verses out loud. Almost every time that I've been so one in my lifetime, when I get people to read the verses themselves, they usually get saved. This guy didn't. He said, I've never heard this before. It's amazing to me. I just don't know if I can just pull it all together right now. And so I left him a track. I got his phone number. He's got my phone number. And hopefully I'll be able to follow through on that. But you know, why is it why is it that that would make a difference? Why is it would it make a difference if I tell somebody Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Or if they have the Bible and they read it and it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You want to know why? Here's why. He might be thinking about this guy. He might be thinking about what his wife's going to make him for supper that night as you're telling him the verse. Did I knock that off? Left side? Oh, there it is. Can everybody hear me? No. You're lucky I saw you. <laughs> so, but here's why. Because they're concentrating on God's Word. And there's, there, there's power in the Word of God. And he's concentrating on that. He's looking at it. He's reading it. He's thinking about it. He's locked in. Otherwise, you don't know if he's locked in. You don't know if he's really listening to you that much anyway. You know? So, <clears throat> that's why it's so important. Okay, so, the Bible says, we read the verses. The Bible says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. So, this happened to me one time, early on. I was uh, a bus worker. Sunday school bus calling on Saturdays. You go calling for two, two and a half hours. And uh, as you go calling, you're, you're going to all the, the kids and everything that, that normally come. You want to make sure they're coming the next day. Well, then you always have some time to go on new people. Or you're always looking for new people as you're driving. You know, a new house that shows signs. You know, they got toys out in the yard. You stop and 
You try to get new kids to ride the bus. You're constantly working on that, and you're praying for it. And so Dwayne and I, he's my bus buddy, Dwayne and I are calling on a Saturday, and we're driving from one spot to another for kids, and we go by this house, and they got signs. There's kids live there. We pulled in and went to the door, and there's kids. There's two girls who were 13, 14 years old. One was 13, maybe one was 14 or 15. There was three boys, younger. <clears throat> and they all were excited. Hamburg's on the bus that week, man. They were all excited. McDonald Hamburg's on the bus. And they all wanted to come. So I got the, their phone number, and I said, I'll check with your mother. What time will she be home? Blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, I'll call her. So that evening, I got home after, after calling. I got home about 3 o'clock probably. And that evening, about 5 o'clock, I called Mrs. Meyer. And I said, hello, Mrs. Meyer. This is Tom Sires. I'm, I was the bus captain that stopped at your house and talked to your kids. And they indicated they'd like to come to Sunday school. Would that be all right on the bus? And she goes, no, not going to let them go. Ah, we don't believe in bribing kids to go to church. Don't think that's right. You know, you're giving them hamburgers to go to church. You know, we just don't think that's not us. And I said, okay, well, please keep thinking about it. Thank you. And I hung the phone up. And I was sitting on my back porch. The kitchen phone in those days had a long cord, you know. And I was sitting on the back porch. And I started weeping. Because when you're praying and you're working so hard to build your bus route out, you want it to grow, you want to get kids to come in, you want to see families saved. You try so hard and you work so hard and you had such a great day that Saturday. You got these five new kids that are going to ride the bus. And all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. So I started weeping. I sat there and I was weeping. <clears throat> Praying, you know. Sometimes when we get way down here, that's when God shows up. Because I called her back. Mrs. Myers, I'm sorry to bother you, but I just wanted to ask you one question. She said, what's that? Do you ever give your kids a quarter for getting an A on a report card? Do you ever reward them for doing something good? And she goes, well, yes, of course. And I said, man, that's all we're doing. We're rewarding these kids. And besides that, you want to know what? They're hungry when church lets out. Sometimes they don't get home until 1. They're hungry. You know, you know how kids are. She goes, yes, I sure do. She says, you know, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to let them come. And we started picking the Meyer kids up. The two older girls came for about 10 years. We did it at their father's funeral. Many in that family got saved. But you see what I mean about sowing in tears? You know, God does something special. You know, when we take soul winning seriously when we make it part of us part of our life so that was the Meyer family now I'm just going to go real quick on some of these uh, the car dealership uh, I sold a car just 
six months ago, eight months ago. I sold my car at a car dealership outright, so they had to give me a ride home. So this lot boy gives me a ride home. The lot boy, I had a captive audience. The lot boy got saved, amen? The lot boy got saved, so that's a wonderful thing. There's a guy that came to my house to hook the cable TV up. As he's working, I got a captive audience. The cable guy got saved. This was about a year ago. Here, three weeks ago, I was teen soul winning, and I had a new bus kid, amen, with me. He was 14 years old, first time he ever been soul winning. And I got a new bus kid with me. I pull up and stop the car, and we're getting ready to go walk around and hang the flyers and talk to people about Christ, right? And as we get out of the car, as God does sometimes, here this guy comes right down the middle of the road. I'm, I'm parked here, and he's walking right behind us, right in the middle of the road. I get out of the car, and there he is. I says, you're just the guy I'm looking for. And he says, really? And I says, yes. We're out telling people about Jesus. I was wondering if I could tell you about Jesus. And he goes, okay. Led him to Christ. Got wonderfully saved. Going to come to church. So that was wonderful. They all are. Okay, here's one. This one is real special to me. This one is real special. It was this past Christmas. I wanted to give Jesus a Christmas present. So I wanted to win someone to Christ. So I said, Lord, please this Christmas, allow me to do this for you. <clears throat> but I got COVID. I couldn't go. Couldn't leave the house. And so all I could do was pray and bum. <laughs> you know how we do, right? We cut God short so many times. So I'm bumming. And as God does things, New Year's Eve day is still the Christmas season, isn't it? <laughs> New Year's Eve day, I was able to get out of the house. My wife had some errands for me to run. Whew. So I'm running an errand. My GPS is taking me right downtown Kalamazoo. Now, I had just moved from Saginaw, Michigan to Kalamazoo, Michigan, two and a half hours away. And so I don't know nothing about where I'm at. I don't know nothing about downtown Kalamazoo. But as I come up to a stoplight, I look. And here a man is, and he looked like he was homeless. He had a, a black plastic you know, garbage bag full of clothes. And I rolled my window down and asked him, can I give you a ride? And he said, yes. And he got in the car. And I says, I'm looking for someone I can talk to about Jesus. And he started weeping. And in tears, his tears and my tears, he received Christ as a Savior. And what a wonderful, wonderful thing it is for God to use you like that. And he will. He will. Uh, Austin hitchhiking, a young man hitchhiking. This was just three or four months ago, three months ago. He's hitchhiking. I stop and offer him a ride, of course, and he gets in. Once again, a captive audience. Austin received Jesus Christ as a Savior. There was a nurse at the VA. They were fixing. This was five, six months ago. Fixing my hearing aids. Got done. Explained Christ to her. She got saved. Um... Uh, there's a girl that stopped at my house to buy a dog cage we were selling. That lady got saved. Uh, I had a, when I lived back in, in uh, Saginaw, Michigan area, in Hemlock, Michigan, 
uh, I had a neighbor boy, he's about 20, and uh, I've been praying for him. And uh, I, I was friendly to him and stuff, and I've been praying for him. One day I'm mowing the grass, and he's walking down the opposite side of the street, and I say, hey, come on over here. He comes over, and I start telling him about Jesus, and he says, he says well, I have a little problem with the, with the Bible. And he says, I, uh, I, uh, I, I don't believe that God created everything. I think, I think it's more of evolution, you know, like that. And I said, tell you what, let's just set that aside for a minute. Let me tell you what Jesus did for you, according to the Bible. And then we'll talk about that. Well, we never talked about that. Once I told him about Jesus Christ and how he died for him and his sin, this young man got saved. I was working at the post office about 10 years ago, and there was a, I had a supervisor, and there had to be a, a black man. And God told me, the Holy Spirit told me, go witness to him. I went and witnessed to him. My supervisor got saved. I was, uh, sometimes God surprised you. This is why well, you always got to be ready. Sometimes God surprised you. I was in the same post office, and I walked in the locker room, and there was a guy there named Ralph. And, and I'd been praying for someone to witness to. And here he is, me and him alone in the locker room. Well, Ralph wasn't the guy I wanted to witness to. Because Ralph was a real intelligent guy. He's, he's college educated and very well read and does the stock market and all the rest of it. All that stuff. And Ralph was not the guy I really wanted to talk to because I thought he, he's just going to be so intelligent he won't believe, right? So Ralph, I says to Ralph, I says, has anybody ever talked to you about the eternal destiny of your soul? Now, I want to tell you something. I've never, I've never used that before. God gave that to me right then. It startled him. And he said, well, no. And as I told him about Jesus Christ, Ralph Denkert received Christ. Kevin at hospice. I get a phone call one day from a lady from our church, and she's an RN, and she runs a hospice place, 12 beds. And she said, there's a young man that I talked to about Christ. He's Catholic. He wasn't interested. But I told him, if you ever are, let me know. He's going downhill. He wants to talk to somebody. Would, would you come and talk to him? That Sunday afternoon after church, I went to hospice. And I went there. And she met me at the door and she said, Kevin had a real hard night last night. I don't know if he's going to talk to you. I lost another patient last night. And I got to deal with the family. I can't go down there with you. If you want to, you can come back later, or if you want to try and go see if you can talk to him, go ahead. And once again, God, God gave me something different to say that I never used before. I walked into that room, and Kevin was sleeping. And he touched his leg, and he opened his eyes. And I said, Kevin, I knew I didn't have much time. I said, Kevin, have you ever, are you ready to meet God on God's terms? I've never used that before. God just gave it to me. And he said, yes. And I said, okay, and I've never done this before or since. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to imagine there's a door right here. And as we get up to that door, you've got to leave everything here outside the door before you go in. I'm talking about all your religion, your baptism, you're doing good works, you're being a good person, you're doing the best you can. You're, you're, because I knew he was Catholic, I said, your sacraments, all of it, 
You leave here. You only go in with just you and your sin. You ready to do that? He said, yes. I said, okay. We've left everything righteous that you've ever done here. Now we're going to go in. And inside and the other side of that door is a cross. You go in there with all your sin. You're lying, cheating, stealing. And even that deep sin that you're most ashamed about, that sin, you're going to lay it down at the cross. And leave it there. And because Jesus Christ paid for all your sins on the cross when he died, are you ready to do that? And Kevin said, yes. And as I prayed with him, and he received Christ, I left, and I went down, and I sat, and I was waiting for Denise so I could tell her. Well, Denise come walking down this hallway. Kevin, meanwhile, got out of bed, and he was walking toward her, and he started trotting, and he run and hugged her, and he said, I just got saved. I want to tell you something. Soul winning is the best thing any Christian can ever do. It pays much, much more than we give. The payback is just incredible. When my wife was in hospice, I led two people that were dying in the middle of the night. I led two people to Christ on different occasions at, at the hospice place we were at. Bob Pickard, an incredible story. Bob Pickard was my best friend growing up in school. Dwayne and I, the same Dwayne that I go bus calling with, we go calling together also on Thursday nights. On a Thursday night, we went to my friend's house. Now, we hadn't, Bob and I hadn't been in touch much after we graduated. But I went to his house and went in and sat down and explained the gospel to him. Bob says, I, I don't go to church. I've never been to church. He says, I, I don't know about this, you know. And so I... Encouraged him a little bit more, gave him some more verses, and then we left. Dwayne went and got in the car right away, and I kind of lingered at the door for a minute. And Bob says, come back when you're all alone. So I said, okay. So a couple days later, I go back. I lead Bob to Christ. A wonderful thing. My buddy in school, you know, went him to Christ. What a wonderful thing. <clears throat> Wasn't a year later, at 36 years old, Bob Pickard died of a massive heart attack. Do you think I wasn't rejoicing, not that he died? I was rejoicing because he's got an eternity with Christ. And then about two years after that, his dad come down with cancer. Me hanging around the house as a teenager and everything, I knew him. I called him up and I said, Mr. Pickard, can I come and talk to you about God? He says, I got cancer really bad. You might as well. So I did. I had a young preacher with me, 25 years old, assistant pastor at our church. We go and we explain Christ to him. And Mr. Pickard's laying there with cancer ridden throughout his whole body and said, I don't get it. I don't understand. He says, I believe God or Jesus and believe the Bible. I don't get this thing about getting saved. I just don't understand it. And this young preacher and his wisdom, you know, I couldn't think exactly what to say right then. This young preacher says, Mr. Pickard, before you were married, did you believe in marriage? And he says, yes. And he says, but you weren't married yet, right? But you still believed in marriage. 
you believe in the Bible, you believe in God, believe in Jesus, but you haven't put a time and a place and a date where you come to him, come to Christ, right? And he goes, now listen, things happen in soul winning that'll happen once and it'll never happen again. This is what happened that blew me away. <laughs> Still makes me smile because I'm reliving it. He's laying there and he goes, I see it now. I see it now. Dear Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Bob Pickard and his dad are in heaven today. And as a soul winner, like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. Uncle Keto. Linda, do you remember Uncle Keto? Uncle Keto, my favorite uncle growing up. He's the one that paid the most attention to me. I stayed up there with my grandma, and he was still at home with his mom. He was single. And so he was my absolute favorite uncle in the whole world. My dad was in a nursing home in Marquette, Michigan, the VA hospital nursing home. And Keto was in there with them. They were both heading downhill, you know, 80. My dad was 80, I think, or 81, and Keto was 82. And, or the other way around, can't remember. But anyway, 80 years old. And I'm up there seeing my dad. And the bunk is setting this way. And my dad and I are setting facing this way. And Uncle Keto is setting like you on the other bunk facing us. And as, as I'm sitting there talking to my dad, my dad is real sad, and he's looking down, looking down at the floor. And I said, Dad, did you like that Baptist preacher that preached up here to all you guys? My dad says, yes. And he says, well, I said, did he preach salvation? My dad says, yes, but then his head went right back down looking all sad. And I said, Dad, what's, what's the matter? My dad goes like this. It's keto. It's not saved. Keto goes. <laughs> I went and put my arm around my uncle Keto. Would you like to receive Jesus? My 80-some-year-old uncle received Jesus Christ that day. I want to tell you, I've had the privilege of doing some wonderful, awesome things in life. Sports, you know, sacking a quarterback, and years of softball, hitting game-winning home runs. I coached for 40 years high school basketball. Played in some state championship games. Had some wonderful things happen in my life. I want to tell you something. There is nothing in this world any better than seeing my Uncle Keto get saved. To being used, to being ready. Do you know what? If I was... And I've said this, I've said this uh, before. I've got a whole bunch to go here, and I'm running out of time. But uh, a soul winner. Do you know that a Christian can be a tither and not be a soul winner? But a soul winner cannot not be a tither. 
You ever think about that? A Christian can be faithful in church and not be a soul winner. But a soul winner cannot not be faithful in church. Can't do it. A Christian cannot be sacrificial to his wife. But a soul winner has to be sacrificial to his wife. Why? Because you want to be totally as much right with God as more often than ever if you want to be a soul winner because you don't know when you're going to be surprised. You don't want any sin between you to grieve the Holy Spirit. You want God to use you. So all these things in the Christian life never, ever, ever been any kind of problem for me at all, anything. Not a problem. Sin is always a problem. It took me a while to figure it all out. The way I got it figured out is <clears throat> it's like a baby learning how to walk. Baby takes off a couple steps, falls down. Usually sets down, right? Boom, down they go. Just like a Christian. I win somebody to Christ, and then I sin. Boom, I fall down. Now, if that baby stayed down for six months, wouldn't learn how to walk for six more months. If a Christian sins and stays down, he's not going to win that next person to Christ because he's in sin. So a Christian is a lot like a baby. All you got to do is 1 John 1, 9, the second... The second you recognize your sin, you got a thought, you got something, something bad, you know, going through your mind, something that shouldn't be there. Boom. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me right now. Right now. You keep a short tab of your sin. Don't let it linger. Don't let it build. Don't let it grow. I've talked to a lot of people that are uh, drug problems and so forth. And I try to tell them. You're going to fall down. It's a sure bet. But don't stay down. You don't have to stay down. Just because you fall into a drug and you mess up and go shoot up or something, you know, you don't have to do it the next day. Recognize where you're at. You know, ask God to forgive you and keep on going. Keep on going on. You know, and it'll all be better. I got to tell you about a couple more here, okay? Oh, I don't know which one to go with. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you about a guy named Gary Laprich. My brother Ray led me to Christ, like I said, and, and got me involved and eventually got me involved in church and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I'm soul winning and I'm doing things and I'm visiting another church. And uh, the pastor introduced me to this guy and the guy's name's Gary Laprich. And he says, you got a brother named Ray? And I says, yes. And he says, your brother named Ray is why I'm here. And I says, how so? Tell me the story. And he said, well, we were working at General Motors in Saginaw, and your brother gave me a track. So I took the track. I took the track from him, and I put it in my pocket. When I got home, I threw it away. I said, wow, that doesn't sound too good. And uh, he says, about a year later, my wife and I have marital problems. I want to have counseling, and I want—I thought maybe, maybe godly counseling would be a good idea. 
So I, I thought, well, I'll get a pastor. He said, I only remembered one word on the back of that track. One word. The word Baptist. It had Community Baptist Church, Church stamped on the back of it. I looked in the yellow pages. In those days, they used yellow pages. I looked in the yellow pages and I found this pastor. He came and counseled my wife and I, led us to Christ, and we're serving God. <clears throat> A trap. Do you carry them? I buy these kind of tracks by the thousand, a thousand at a time. I passed six tracks out this morning before church. So easy. Christian is so easy. Hardly anybody turns me down. And we can do it. And they work. I got lots of illustrations about tracks where people got saved off in tracks. But you ever hear of Paul Harvey, the rest of the story? Paul Harvey, the rest of the story on this, Gary Laprich. Gary Laprich eventually left that little church and he went to a big church in Saginaw, one of the most fundamental soul winning churches, First Baptist of Bridgeport, probably twice as big as our church on the other side of town. And he became a bus captain. He led hundreds of kids to Christ. He led a young man to Christ that went off to Bible college and went down and either started a church down in South Carolina or he took over a small church, I'm not sure which, but it grew to over 2,000 people under his leadership. Now, now you want to know Paul Harvey, the rest of the story, the rest of the story? There's a grandma in lived in St. Louis, Michigan. Ralph may have told you this story, but this grandma was praying for my brother Ray. And my brother Ray was a drinker and a, a crowser and all, you know, like me when I got saved. So she prayed for him, tried to witness to him, tried to give him tracks. He wouldn't have nothing to do with her. He moved out. The place he had work called him back to work. He came back downstate, moved right in the same house. The lady came over and tried to talk to him. Finally, he listened. This grandma had been praying for him for over a year. This grandma didn't win people to Christ. She was not some great soul winner. She was just a, an old lady that did what she could. Led my brother Ray to Christ. <clears throat> Do you realize how God's multiplication table works? Do you realize that everybody in Ralph's family, everybody in my family, I got a I got a brother-in-law that, got, that I led to Christ is preaching in Denver, Colorado right now. You know, Jimmy is up in somewhere, somewhere in Texas here, San Antonio. There's people all over the place getting saved. Do you realize this old lady? She don't even know the sheaves that she's going to be able to bring to the Savior because she's faithful to one, because she led one. There's got to be thousands of people. I've led somewhere, I don't even know, I've led somewhere 250, 300 people to Christ personally. And these people have certainly led somebody to Christ. Can you think about it for a minute? Would everybody here pray today and say, Dear Lord, give me one person. Let me win one person to Christ. Somebody I know or somebody I don't know.
if we would do that, might shake this town up, you know, might just shake this town up. Well, I wasn't going to preach this sermon today. I had another one already. I really wanted to bring the other one. I wanted to bring the other one. But God somehow changed it. So I brought this one. But it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be a soul winner. There's nothing in this whole world that you can do that makes you feel any better. You want to be happy, Christian? Don't we all want to be happy? Win someone to Christ. You'll never be more happy. You'll never be more happy. It's the greatest feeling in the whole world. Every time I think of my friend Bob Pickard and his dad, I rejoice. It's not just happy when they get saved. You're happy for a long time. Am I glad that I led my brother Ralph to Christ today? Am I glad? Yes, 50 years probably. I don't know. Yes, I'm glad. I'm happy. And it's a blessing to do the best you can to be a soul winner. Pastor's going to come now, give an invitation, and pray. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. Lord, thank you for the message that you prepared for us. Lord, as we have a time of invitation, I ask that each one of us will uh, just be honest. Father, uh, speak to each heart right now. Father, show us, show us um, maybe the, the selfishness, maybe the, the pride in our lives, Lord, that is, that is stopping us from serving you. Father, help us uh, to lift up our eyes and look on the harvest. Father, that we would have the compassion that Christ had for the lost around us. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I ask that you'd convict them of their sin, help them to see their need right now. Father, that, that uh, today is a day of salvation. Now is the time. Guide, Lord, in this invitation. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The question was asked this morning if we witnessed to someone this week. How many have we led to the Lord? And I know, I know without a doubt that every one of us can do more. And I'm talking about myself. There's more that has to be done for the cause of Christ. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. What a blessing to read the Bible and see the promises in it and know that it is a guarantee. Maybe you're here this morning and you never accepted Christ as your Savior. The Bible says... He came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world should be free. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We also read in the scripture that our life is but a vapor. It could be gone tonight. We could be, we could be facing death this afternoon. And behold, I stand at the door and knock now is the time of salvation. If you don't know him as your Savior, if there's never been a surrender of your life to Christ, the Bible says we are to repent of our sin and surrender our life. Give him our heart and soul.
you've never done that, you can't know the joy and peace that comes from salvation. He's speaking to you this morning. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Don't turn him away. Christian, what have we done for the cause of Christ this, this past year? It's already July. We're halfway through 2022. There's so much more that we can do. this way. Thank you, brother, for the message challenge this morning. I hope you are, too. We, uh, that is why we're here. That is our only reason for being here. If the Lord just wanted us to bring, to have fellowship with Him, we would be in His presence. But He leaves us here that we can be light. The Bible says we are the salt and light of the earth. And how can they hear without a preacher? I'm challenged this morning. We need to be soul winners. We need to be busy about the Father's business. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, the Bible says. The need is great and getting greater every single day. Appreciate the message very much. Hope you'll be back tonight at 5. We're continuing on in Job. Um, we look at Eliphaz's response. So uh, just barely getting into Job, really. But there's two chapters, four and five. Eliphaz uh, challenges Job. He accuses Job. And I believe he's wrong in his accusation. But what he says about God is right. And so I want to look at those two chapters tonight. That's going to be an overview of those two chapters. Let's put it that way. So I hope to see each one back in our place tonight. Uh, appreciate each one. Thank you, visitors, for being here. A blessing to us. And uh, trust that that we've been a blessing to you, and uh, hope to see you again, all right? Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Um, Matt, dismiss us, please. Lord, I-